Welcome everyone to this brand new segment called New Urban Tech. I'm Andres Corrales. This is Raquel Perez. This is Richard Law. And today's overarching theme is going to be skin in the game. You know, there's a massive tech migration of people all over the United States coming to Miami, and Richard is one of them, and literally investing in our city and making it more of a tech hub, right? So this sparked my curiosity of what is this tech, you know, industry really about, right? When it comes to crypto, when it comes to these apps, all these things, you know, I think about apps and tech, I think about Perez, right? She's got a bunch of things going on in that regard. So I figured it would be much better to have them as co-hosts and just to share these conversations that I think are so valuable that I have with them, with all of you guys, so we can all learn, you know, how tech is going to impact our lives, how it's going to impact our cities and how we can use these technologies to maybe improve our quality of lives, right? And to be a part of this new wave, right? So exciting. Uh, I'm sure you guys could touch on it. So go ahead. No, yeah. And when, so when you reached out to me, I was really excited because for those of you that don't know, because we have our two separate different podcasts, right? So we have State of Miami over Mm -hmm. here and I have the Humble Hustle Happy Hour. And Andres and I have, at this point, we've probably known each other for what, like, Five or six Five years? Five plus years, yeah. Yeah, so it's crazy, right? So at this point, he's family, all of these great pieces. And when he reached out and said, I had this great conversation, and he didn't call him Richard, he called him Tricky. So no. that was, you know, a whole other. <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, and said, you know, there's a lot of movement there with crypto, and I thought of you in this technology. And so through that conversation, we really thought, like, this would be a great moment to merge our understanding of that urban development, right, and what sure. that digital footprint needs to be and how these all these pieces work, that cryptocurrency, financial market into that fintech kind of industry, that's what Tricky definitely brings to the table. And then for me, it's about creating opportunities for peace tech and inclusive tech, and we could definitely unpack that a little bit more as we bring sure. the conversations over. So, Tricky, how did he rope you into this? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I met him at the gym, we so wait, wait, say what gym? Oh, boy. Oh, the YMCA, downtown YMCA. In downtown Miami. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> but, yeah, we just, um, we were just playing pickup basketball. And uh, we had a conversation once after after our game. And then he asked me if I want to do a podcast. And, you know. All right, so let me give a little bit more details. Yeah. This guy's wearing a Duke shirt. We had already <laughs> played a few times. And I was like... Dude, did you go to Duke? He was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, ooh. So we started talking more. I found out that he wasn't from Miami. Um, and I found out that he recently moved over here. He told me he was in, in crypto. And, you know, I just mentioned I'm very curious about it. Yeah. So I started asking him questions, and he answered every single one very, you know, sharply and, and with passion, I would say, right? That he it was something that he's not just, you know, he didn't just invest in, in a little bit of Bitcoin or anything like that. He's really in it. It's something that he does in his day-to-day life. And, you know, he's going to expand on that. But I think these combinations of perspectives, right? Yeah. And like I've, I've talked about in my podcast before that Miami is a tale of two cities. You've got the local perspective and then you got the international and national investor perspective. And I feel like this is a beautiful thing for us to have these conversations, have the listeners, you know, chime in with their comments or whatever it is. And and we could figure out ways for all of us, right, to to benefit from this wave, right? Because I think it's a great thing for you and for people like you to come over here. But I also think that, you know, it's 100% true that 
these issues that we have are exacerbated if we don't address them, right? And this is where she comes in. So it's just going to be wonderful conversations. And, and today is about skin in the game. And yes. Like I said, skin in the game, I feel like I'm a local, right? And I got so much skin in the game because I feel like this is my skin. My <laughs> whole body's in the game, pretty much. Um, but technically, he just moved here. He invested in a condo here. And I don't have a condo yet. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not here on you know, still making moves to be able to make that happen is definitely one of my goals. So technically, you know, when it comes to real estate, skin in the game is actually investing in the market and, and making these kind of moves. And my, my experience with feasibility studies has been um, servicing these developers that have the true skin in the game. But like I said, I feel like I have skin in the game too. So, and well, but I think, and I think even when we think of the concept skin in the game, yeah. right? It, you know, where we take a look at like, Tricky is moving in the direction, you know, he's already invested in property here, and you're like, I'm trying to work into that component. Mm -hmm. And I think the element we forget about in that concept of skin in the game is that you've got to put in work, right? Oh, yeah. You just didn't wake up one day and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. There was a plan laid out, sure. you know, when you were, you know, to your point, when you were figuring out urban development, when you mm -hmm. were figuring out crypto, when I was figuring out, like, how does this whole tech piece work, especially for minorities, it became, you know, it was a lot of upfront work. It was a lot of research, you know, and it's funny because I just had a conversation with someone the other day where they had this amazing idea, you know, and they, they were like, how do I present it? And when I was like, well, you need to know X, you need to know Y, you need to know Z. And they sounded so discouraged, like, oh man, I thought I had a great idea. You do, but this takes work to kind of push forward. So I think what's really cool we should kind of do, uh, so this is our first one, is kind of talk about our areas, right? And sure. what got us involved? What was the work we put in? What were the, how did we kind of navigate these resources and pieces to make sure that we were aware of, what, first of all, what the game is, there right? Is. Because a lot of times, like every, we see these like little glimmering glitter gold everywhere, yeah. and we're like, oh, I want that, I want that. But then we don't understand the game. So how are we going to revolutionize the game? How are we going to, you know, go into it with, with eyes wide open if we don't even understand the strategies of it, right? I worked in, so I worked in finance. I worked in trading coming out of college. And I traded equities and I traded fixed income. But mostly fixed income for the majority of my career. You know, during COVID, I was, um, I, I think after like, after March, April, I felt that, there was a, a, a shift in the narrative um, for Bitcoin specifically when we saw like every asset kind of cave and, and, and crash and you know you kind of expect something like like cryptos like Bitcoin to kind of potentially die in those in those situations but you know coming out of that coming out of like March April May 2020 um, the narrative kind of shifted and I feel like Bitcoin is like a network kind of gained its sort of critical mass and then the flow of money kind of flowed into like the other um, crypto assets and for me I became a lot more interested I was always aware of it but uh, I never really put in the time to, to learn about these things so yeah I mean I started kind of playing around and, and learning about crypto on my own and then so let me ask you a question about that because you said a lot of time so what is a, what is not a, I'm sorry you said put in time so roughly how much time were you putting into this arena and I know for some of us we're still trying to figure out crypto and we're gonna have a session that focuses just on that but you know kind of to understand the time that it kind of goes to put into this you know because you say it so eloquently you know right like I just put in time and I'm hmm, and what is time? yeah right like just time so what is time <laughs> 
I think that it, probably at least like a few hours a day, and it's not like I'm setting aside time to do it. It's like once I was already in it, you know, like you guys mentioned, it's kind of a game of I had some exposure, I had some, basically had some money in it, I had some positions on, then from that point on, I, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't really go out of my way, like I was doing homework. It was just a few hours a day, yeah, probably hours a day, just because, you know, my, my job was kind of always just like sitting at a desk, but, you know, I manage like algorithms and things like that, so a lot of it is automated. Um, so I, I can like divert my attention to like whatever I choose. Right. So naturally I just started like reading a lot and trying like learning a lot about like, you know, you know, the whole crypto ecosystem technology. And yeah, from that point, like initially it was relatively similar, um, to like what I was doing because I was trading financial instruments with like an arbitrage and statistical kind of framework. And first I was approaching crypto with the same thing, but then, you know, after, like, as I was doing that, I was also like learning about like what the coins I was trading, but like mm -hmm. initially like, I didn't really care, but you know, as I started like reading about it more and more, then I, my, my position like fundamentally kind of shifted towards it. And I felt like, um, you know, this could be an opportunity for for like a next a whole new like wave of innovation that's awesome yeah. so just to kind of chime in on that this is what made me so like you know like mind blown right he says he puts in hours a day with that i put in hours a day when it comes to what i'm researching and what i'm doing right when it comes to okay who's coming over here to miami what are the new developments coming up like where are the areas that are you know like growing what other areas are not what, what transportation projects are on the rise and I had been reading for literally like months and months and months the tech hype you know the, these people are coming the, the people from all over the world are coming to Miami and then I'm there playing ball and I realized okay I'm reading about them but now I'm playing ball with them I'm playing I'm literally playing ball with these people obviously you and, and a few others that we know that have come to Miami that weren't born and raised here but see the value and, and like the culture of this this tech hype and it's not just hype it's it's real right and he's a real person right <laughs> and it, it made it more of a personal thing when i met somebody instead of reading about them right so yeah in other words there was literal skin in the game absolutely and i think too a lot of times mm -hmm. we don't realize and i really like how you're saying that here it was in real lifetime yes. right it, around us and i think when we're looking at these different industries and their impact, we sometimes think that they're far away or they're too complex and there's no way that I can reach it or obtain it. And it's there, right? It's, it's these kind of pieces that are there. And so my question to you is, is that when you're hearing Tricky talk about cryptocurrency and this movement and you're reading all of these pieces about, you know, this tech space in Miami, how did you make that correlation between that element and urban development? Okay, well... The population is booming and it's right. booming because of this tech hype right well not just because of that but more things because of the business friendly um climate that we have here right set up by our governor of the state of florida and you know the the mayor of the city of miami right he welcomes these innovators to come he welcomes this space he makes it a friendly thing and that's one thing that you told me that that you liked right one of the things that you enjoyed mm -hmm. from this area um 
So I, f- I figured this is going to be kind of like a new identity for Miami, right? right? Miami is such a young city when you compare it to like a bunch of the cities that you lived in that we'll talk about, right? Um, that I feel like we're still kind of, you know, coming into our own, right? Before right. we were known as this, you know, beach vibe, like all you did was come here to retire and you, you would spend money instead of make money. But now these people are realizing, okay, hold up, I could make money over here. There's mm-hmm. there's actually, like I told you, I met another uh, investor that recently moved here from New York that told me the same thing that I'm telling you. He's like, yo, now you can make money here and the, the actual companies are coming here. So that that's connected, right? The, the revitalization of our urban center for me in downtown Miami is going to be huge for the whole area, for the whole county. And it's something that maybe for the past few decades, downtown wasn't that cool. But now with all these projects going up, it's, it's, it is cool, right? And right. these people are becoming part of the community and, and, and are taking what Miami is to that next level. So that's how I make that connection. And then I started thinking, okay, so how, how are these new technologies going to be able to help us with our current issues, right? Yeah. Um, how's it going to help us with the affordability crisis? How's it going to help us with the climate crisis? Mm-hmm. How's it going to help us with the lack of public transportation? Which I see those three glaring issues as what is kind of holding us back from becoming the greatest place we can be, right? If we if we keep developing in other areas and ignoring these, um, I don't think we'll be the, the best city we can possibly be. And I think the reason why I love for more people to come over here is that, okay, maybe more people are going to say, hey, I have an investment here, so I don't want this place to be underwater. Let me figure out a way. More people will be, you know, willing to to work on these issues, right? And transportation, that affects you, right? And if the climate changes yeah. in this area, this will affect uh, your real estate interest in this, in this area. So, you know, I, I feel like these things are intertwined. There's, yeah. They're almost like one thing, if that makes sense, because it's propelling the other and the other is propelling the, like the other like vice versa you know what I mean so no. I want to hear your your, your kind of your take on that can you touch on what is it that made you come over here to, to Miami and, and and also tell me about your experience in, in all these other different world class cities uh, sure yeah. <laughs> um, I was born in Hong Kong and I, I grew up in New Zealand I lived in and then I moved to the US when I was eight in like Long Island New York and then I went to school at Duke in Durham, North Carolina, and then when I graduated, I worked in Singapore for five months, I think. That's nice. Um, and then I moved to Chicago, lived in Chicago for like two years, and I moved to New York, and I lived there for probably just over a year, and then I came down here. Big time cities, you know, and, and for you to have been all over the world, literally, and spent time there and decided, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose Miami, right? And, and it goes back to that tale of two cities. For the locals, it's like, wow, these housing prices are ridiculous. But then for you guys, you compare this city to New York. You compare this city to Chicago. You compare this city to LA, to Paris, right? We're at a discount, right? Literally at a discount. So it, that's, what I, that's what I mean. Like, it, it, it's the same thing. It, it affects the same right. issues. And I definitely don't blame people for coming here. I love it here. This no, is amazing. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and, and that's something that we've talked about too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, so having a PhD in conflict analysis and resolution, conflict is, it, I thrive in it. 
Uh, so much of my career has been focused on organizations as far as leadership development, diversity and inclusion, communication, you know, all of these navigating different kinds of conflicts. And when you take a look at that, you know, tech was just the next logical space, right? And so that's what kind of led me down the path of peace tech. And the idea of peace tech is creating technologies that help um, deal with conflicts of all kinds and sorts. Um, it's also about understanding the spaces within mm -hmm. that we have conflicts in now, right? So for example, nobody imagined that we would have to move into a place where we're doing virtual mediations, but now this is where they live. And so how do we use the, and harness the powers of these technologies to help us curve behavior, to help us become more aware, to help us de-escalate, to help us communicate with one another. In that same vein is, was the emergence of peace engineering. So the idea of peace engineering is when we're out to set a new project, when we're out to do, let's say when we're talking about sea level rising, it's impacting a community, right? So how do we help engineers show up to a site? How do we help those that are investing money into these projects Make sure the community's voices are heard. How do we create sustainable projects? How do we make sure that we're following and adhering to those environmental regulations and components to make sure everyone has a voice? So the emergence of that peace engineering along with that peace tech is crucial. So in Miami, I think the biggest piece is that we don't have enough minority stakeholder voices in tech. Because we think tech is unobtainable, it's so hard, how do I figure it out? And so it's creating that space of like, okay, you know, here are some smaller projects. How do we build on that? Here's how I kind of figured out, if I could figure it out, like anybody could figure it out. We were talking the other day where I, I mined Monero. Monero, Monero, did I say it right? Yeah, you're right. Okay, I was like, I need to say it right. And I did it off a of MacBook. And so, you know, and it wasn't because I was trying to get rich off of it, but I needed to understand the process. Sure. I needed to understand. So to your point, you know, when you were saying that I spent, you know, a couple of hours here and there, and you're saying that I'm reading, this takes the work, right? This is where the information is there. It's a matter of us figuring out what is the game and what's the piece that I play in it. I will never say that I am like this expert in cryptocurrency, but I should understand what that brings to the table. I will never be an expert in urban development, mm -hmm. but I should understand how do my skill sets fit in creating the, the new tech space that is emerging and it's coming whether we want it or not, right? It's having conversations with individuals that, oh, I, I want to be an entrepreneur, right? And let's say I want to sell cupcakes. Sure, you could sell cupcakes, but what is the digital footprint of your cupcake? Because just having just a food truck that sells cupcakes is not sustainable anymore, right? So whether it's from social media to a presence with an app, website, you know, using all of these features to our benefit, we got to think of our digital footprint and the impact it has around us, right? And so listening to you guys and thinking of that time, like right now I'm learning how to code, which is killing me, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and I, I mean killing me in that it's it's a new skill. It's a new language. And so I have to devote the time to it. My day is not going to say, you know what, Perez, we're just, my days, all my meetings are going to drop off and say, you know what, just from three to five, go work on, you know, on Python. The universe doesn't work like that, right? I have to create that environment. And talking about skin in the game, 
it was crucial for me. And, and this is why, and, and you know, Andres and I always laugh about like setting intentions and our mm -hmm. meditations. And a few, I think it was probably a month or two ago that we were texting each other and he was just like, hey, how are you? I'm like, I'm great. So what do you know? Like, how's everything? And I told him, like, I've really been thinking about alignment, right? Alignment in these different pieces. And what I mean by alignment is that when we are interested in something, right? When we have these different pieces, it's important we understand it. Like, and I, the way I kind of think of it is our, our passion has a language, but we have to learn how to speak it. So me saying that, oh, I want to learn more about tech and then drop the ball. There are so many different, right here alone, we're talking about three different variations of tech. Mm -hmm. And within those realms, like you were, and we'll talk about another day, you were like, oh, different coins do different things, right? So it's not just saying, oh, I'm going to learn about crypto. There's so many different capacities to it, right? I'm not just going to learn development. There's so many different pieces to development, right? Mm -hmm. So it's taking the time to learn what we want to do and creating the environment where we're forced to have these conversations, where we're forced to learn, where we're forced to interact with what we want to learn about, what we're passionate about, and creating the goals based on those kind of interactions. So when it comes to skin in the game, as somebody who just moved here, can you touch on why you decided to make an investment in Miami and why you decided to make this your base? Yeah. So I think initially, like, I wanted to change a pace when I, um, I found out, like, kind of like a, something that's kind of a surprise to me, my working situation. So I'm sitting out, like, a one-year non-compete. Um, so when th that was new information to me because I didn't expect it to get enforced. So I wanted to change a pace and wanted to look for and somewhere else to go. I think things have fundamentally changed after COVID where remote work is sort of the new normal now. Um, sure. Depends on what companies, of course, but I'd say a lot of tech companies, like, you know, a lot of companies, especially tech companies are, are okay with people working remote. So mm -hmm. given that it doesn't matter, you can choose to live wherever you want and it's not like restricted to your, it's not that restricted to your employer anymore. So that is like a really big factor. Another factor is like taxes. So state income tax, um, you know, the cities that you're looking at or states you're looking at, you have Texas, you have Florida. I think you, Seattle is knowing state income tax as well. So th those are the major ones that I do know. And to me, at least, um, Miami seems like a very, very attractive city to live in, sure. you know, given those, I'm sure those are also great cities, but you know, the weather's great here. You have like, you're on the water and yeah, it's just really nice here. Like, so I think that like, generally like you're looking when you when you look at like real estate prices, it's kind of driven by um, the jobs in the area. Like New York City is really expensive. Um, San Francisco is really expensive. San Francisco is really expensive because you have all the all the software engineers there, tech workers, and then New York you have a lot of people in finance working there. And now the major change post COVID is that the new normal is that um, engineers that work out of SF companies can basically live wherever they choose. You know, given these changes in conditions and also like, you know, basically increases in income taxes, I see these as really big tailwinds for, you know, people like me to come to somewhere like Miami. Sure. And I think that I'm one of the earlier ones to do that. And then once you have like kind of like a network effect, you have some people here and then some of your friends in New York City, it makes it easier for them to come down here now. So... Yeah, from that standpoint, I just think the, the gap in terms of like real estate uh, between like 
you know, the major desirable cities in the U.S. has to close a little bit. Like, as of now, I think you're looking at, like, Manhattan versus, like, downtown Miami, like, a comparable place, a comparable apartment or condo is probably, like, th- around three times the price, yeah. I'd say. Literally. Wow. Um, and I think that's just too big of a gap given, like, the new normal. I just think just, like, I, th- I think here, like, you know, the market's a little bit slow to adjust, but this is a fundamental change, and it's just going to take time to, to, to push the prices back higher. And I think, like, COVID has kind of slowed down um, people kind of, you know, transacting and, and buying in, in cities. Um, you know, people aren't really traveling that much, but you look at every other asset and, like, real estate prices are more or less lagging, like the more liquid assets where people can just open up their phone and, you know, move their money in with a lot more ease. So these are kind of the tailwinds. And for me, um, in this environment, I wanted to own, you know, more assets rather than, um, yeah, kind of like real hard assets that are, are, you know, hedged against inflation more or less. Um, So that was kind of my broad outlook. And, you know, these are all the reasons that I'm effectively, like, bullish Miami real estate. And there it is. after being here for about two months now, um, you know, I, I feel more so that way. Like, I think, you know, I am only more confident in my view. So, I like what you said about early, right? About you being early mm-hmm. to coming over here. Do you think it's still early in, in crypto? Good question. So... I think yes and no. I think yes in the sense that it is really early. Like one of the reasons I really got into it is it fundamentally like you saw like new developments and and new like innovations within crypto. Like you know, watching it happen and it's widely known as like DeFi summer, um, and that was the summer of twenty twenty. So DeFi summer basically you started seeing a lot of like um, DeFi decentralized apps being built on Ethereum, and DeFi stands for decentralized finance. So these apps, a lot of them are like borrowing protocols, lending protocols, and these decentralized exchanges that allow you to swap coins for one another. And, you know, these are all like built directly like on the blockchain and built in a a little bit of a different way. They're all like essentially like primitives and like just like building blocks. And like from that point on through now, like, Basically, these these are like the first useful, useful apps that have existed on on the blockchain, and like that has like you know, and right now like a lot of stuffs being developed as we speak, and you know, in that sense, this is like the beginning because like everything is composable and like all these primitives are being built, and then allow like a lot of apps to be built on top of that right now, and like. There doesn't exist like good documentation in the space because everything is so new and everyone's developing, you know, kind of solidity like, uh, like for for Ethereum, like Rust, for some other blockchains like Solana, um, Polkadot, and you know a lot of these frameworks are new and just lack documentation. Like a lot of things you can't Google, you just have to, you know, rely on somebody to figure it out, or you go in like these Discord servers and talk to other developers about it, and you know, just because it's so new. So, like, in that sense, it is really, really early. But in the other yeah. sense, like, you know, I would, I, I generally do feel like, you know, assets like 
a lot of assets across the board and, and crypto, like, um, you know, a lot of valuations are, are pretty high. Um, I think if history repeats itself, you see like big cycles. Um, and, you know, we, we don't know for sure what's going to happen in the future, but like an anecdote that I usually point towards people just to, you know, basically keep themselves safe is that like Amazon from the, from the heights in like 2001, it, Amazon, like the stock, it drew down like 90%. So it's down 90% um, from, from the highs in like, I guess, 2001 or 2002, I guess. And it kind of just grinded down for like a year or two. And then from that low point, it's probably 350 to 400 times higher from wow. that point. So it's like, you know, a lot of things have changed fundamentally with the company. Right. But, you know, you can have a good company like that's doing productive things that, you know, ended up growing into Amazon as we know it today. You can have this asset that, you know, goes, draws down 90%, like, you know, put in $1,000, it's only worth like $100 now, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you have the, if you believe in it, if you have the conviction, like, to, to hold it double down, like, on one end, like, yeah, if you had that much conviction, you're probably buying, like, you know, on the way down before, like, way before the, for, before the lows. And then, on the other hand, like, if you don't have the conviction there, which, I, you know, most people don't have the conviction to take, like, a 90% drawdown to the face, um, then, you know, you end up kind of puking it, and, you know, that kind of affects your, your psychology and how you approach things in the future. It's basically, like, no one can tell you like exactly where things go. It depends a lot of a lot of factors that that happen, and you can have random events that happen out of nowhere. Like, the like COVID was relatively right. random. It was a big shock to all the markets. Um, a black Swan, right? Yeah, yeah, like Black Swan. <laughs> yeah. Um, events, things like that. In hearing you speak, there's definitely two elements that I think. Um, will flesh itself out nicely for some extra episodes, right? Mm-hmm. An episode that we can really talk about crypto, like what is it, like how these pieces operate, you know, you understanding blockchain and how that kind of, you know, works in all these different pieces. But then you also brought a lot of information about the markets, right? And I think that what COVID did, right, we were all forced home and people became fascinated with the markets. Like, you know, we saw what happened with GameStop and all of these different pieces that people were like, hey, I can really make money here. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people lost money because they didn't really understand how this operated and worked. And so I think what would really be great is if we had two separate episodes, one that focused specifically on crypto, right, and those different coins, because I'm obsessed with those coins, and one that we could really talk about the markets and understanding that market when it comes to, you know, obviously the market as it is, but especially when it comes to development, to technology, and these different elements, because, again, the information will be here, right, but sometimes we just need a voice to kind of say, hey, if you're interested in these kind of elements, this is what it looks like, and kind of, again, going back to understanding the game, right? Agreed. What I was going to say, too, is that skin in the game, right? What is the game? The game yeah. is the risk of investing or not. or It could be many things, but I think of it as capitalism, right? Some people don't know the rules of the game, so they get played by the game instead Absolutely. of playing the game. Imagine, like, you know, you said history tends to repeat itself. One of the most wisest people that I've ever, you know, had a relationship with used to always tell me, same things happen over and over yep. and over again, right? So imagine if somebody went back to you like 20 years ago and said, hey, 
you should probably invest in Facebook stock or you should probably invest in Google stock. You probably would do it, right? If they told you it's this much. So I'm, my question to both of you guys, because um, you, you guys are both in tech, is maybe what are some things that you see are going to be that next wave? Is it like the actual cryptocurrency or is it the actual blockchain? Remember, we had this conversation with the wolves, right? And how is Web 2 going to transition to Web 3? What's the difference between those two things? And maybe you could, you guys could both touch on that, but can you define Web 2 versus Web 3 before you guys chime in? Yeah, I guess I think in, in general, like that, that term kind of points towards a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but I think in this context, Web 3 is just kind of an umbrella term that points towards like, you know, like a decentralized internet where, um, you know, it's not really controlled by like, you know, like the few big tech companies that, you know, and there aren't really like points of failure and less censorship and things like that. So I think that's like a couple different things, but it's like a vision for for a new new internet where like, you know, the end users have and like kind of content creators kind of have more more control and then it's a lot more censorship resistant you know without points of failure kind of just like you know ways that content can be controlled and censored whether it's by the government or by like a big tech company before you chime in i want to say this <laughs> i know you're ready, to I'm go. ready but so there's three different perspectives here and there's three different ages there's two generations we're part of the same one even though I'm a little older than him and you're a part of the other generation you know, the 99 year old yes generation. I am 99 but what I'm saying tread carefully, yeah. carefully. Yes. but what I'm saying is you know we grew up with you know like these phones pretty much not I, I use pen and paper I quill I used to quill right okay I get you're what you're right. saying yeah. yes I get what you're saying so how how does that like, what does this remind you of? Does this remind you of when the internet was first adopted back in the <laughs> 90s? Yeah. Or, like, when it started becoming mainstream, when more people started getting phones and computers, and how many naysayers were there about the internet? Right. Well, uh-huh. once I, we stopped releasing the pigeons to send messages, right? Um, <laughs> so here's... here's and, and you say that there's two perspectives that's generationally. I'm actually even going to throw another perspective is, and that's a female. You you know what I'm saying? And so I think that there's these new components that happen. So I'm first going to talk about the female piece where, you know, for so long, studies have shown that women were just discouraged pursuing the sciences and maths. And somewhere along the line, we align tech and finance and all this, like you had to be these strong components. And not that math and science obviously help in these different fields. But we didn't understand the learning curve. Like if we were like, okay, if we were introduced and embraced and included in more of those kind of dynamics that we too could be successful so i think it's definitely playing a catch-up right we're mm-hmm. much more aware now to kind of close that that gender gap now when you talk and i love how you say like repeating certain cycles right 
Uh, what we're in right now, a lot of people, and, and again, I'm always going to talk about the humanizing approach because I take a look at these different pieces. So when you talk about, you know, what are the areas that we should focus on and looking at humanizing tech and these different pieces, uh, we're what's in called the, the fourth industrial revolution, okay. which is the technology revolution, right? And it's in every revolution, right? It's the, those, the leaders of the pack, those with the resources, those with the know-how yeah. that excel and grow, and it's the others that don't that fall behind, right? So one thing that I'm constantly advocating for and taking a look at is, and when somebody asks me, like, you know, what is it that you think I should should learn, that, you know, whether they finish their bachelor's, their master's, and like, what do you think I should focus on? Learn coding. And I'm going to tell you why, because especially where we're going, I think blockchain is going to be huge. Machine learning is already making its advances, AI, and a lot of the coding systems will allow you to do that. I don't care what coding language you learn, learn something because there are so many translators that already exist. So if I learn Python, but I want to build something in Java, there's there. If I learn Python and I want to build something in, in Unity and C Sharp, the translators are there. So it's finding the language that number one, you just connect with the most, right? Some are going to make more sense to you than others. Find the language, move there, because I think there's going to be so much more conversation about blockchain, machine learning, AI. And so to be in those markets, to be in the game, mm -hmm. you're going to have to speak that language. I was just reading uh, a CNN article, I believe it was, that spoke about coding as being the new literacy. Right. And so when we talk about that fourth revolution, industrial revolution. Those that understand the know-how, and again, it's not learning that everybody's going to be a computer programmer, no. Not everybody's going to be in fintech, no. Not everybody's going to be, you know, urban development or in the financial component. But we need to understand the games that are happening, how they interact with one another, so that we know our place in it. And, and coding, and because coding is going to allow us to, to operate the blockchain, the AI, the machine learning. Yeah, because people are going to be impacted by all these things. Yes, absolutely. So, how do you see that, like... When the internet was first adopted, he's still here. He's still here. He's still here. When the internet was first adopted, uh -huh. do you remember certain people saying, "Hey, oh, because I, I mean, what I've read, my research, I've seen that there was literally people who who said the internet is a fad, and I've heard people talk about that. They said the internet's not gonna last, or the phones thing is not gonna be legit. Everybody has a phone now. Everybody's online. Yeah. Do you think now? Maybe you could chime in on this too. Do you think? This is what people are going to build things on now, the blockchain and, and using cryptocurrency. Well, so there's different elements, right? Um, so this is why we bring up these different pieces. As a uh, socially economic minority, right, uh, some of these pieces were not accessible to me for a while, right? So where people early on were having like all of these great home computers, it took my house a little bit longer to get one. So there were things that I just didn't interact with till a little later. But funny that you say that one example that I can use that I think people kind of discounted. Let's look at the gaming industry, right? I won't tell you what gaming system I started on, but I was obsessed with gaming early on. So having that that connection to gaming and I remember being told, you know, your parent get off the, the system, you know, it's, it's not good, do your homework, that's not. If we had any idea back in the olden days where I'm from, the days of yore, right? <laughs> what gaming would be today, they would have never taken the controller out of my hand, ever. We had no idea the industry that it was going to grow into, the beast that it is. I mean, taking a look at esports, taking a look at just that competitive nature uh, of this whole new arena. We talk about like everything that happened with Fortnite, but Fortnite just changed the game again. 
right? To be on one platform where now cross-platform gaming was this thing that was utopia, right? Because before it's like, oh, you have a PlayStation, I can't hang out with you. You have an Xbox, right? So now the fact that no matter what device, no matter what platform, we could all now interact with each other was a game changer. And I, so I think that lives in all of those different spaces. When we talk about it, Amazon, I do remember the early phases of Amazon and it was weird like it was clunky it wasn't it wasn't user friendly what Amazon was when it first started to where they are today nobody could even phantom yeah. that that was that 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 capacity that that opportunity was there right and so I think you know when we talk about things like Facebook and a MySpace and you know mm. we understanding the role of what social media there was is. going to be Nobody thought, they thought it was something that, a little fad, something fun. Nobody understood that these would drive markets, that these would be platforms for marketing and gaining business. Nice. And, and, you know, they, nobody had an It was, if you were to have a conversation with adults back then, it would be like a Black Mirror episode to them. Like, this would be futuristic, unheard of, and yet here we are. Yeah. You know, and so I think when we think of the next wave, right, because everything constantly evolves and grows, when we think of the next wave, it's going to definitely be built on the backbone of tech. So to your point, capitalism isn't going anywhere. It's just now everything is integrated within that tech component, everything that we do design. Think of smart homes, how they're built now. Mm-hmm. If, these, if these digital footprints are not in a home, it almost loses value. Right, and it's in everything we do. So I think as we get ready for the next wave, right, of what that's going to be, I think it's it's fundamental. The way we learn to read and write was fundamental. Learning to code is going to be fundamental. I want to hear your take on this, but before that, she brought up a great point with Fortnite. Almost uh, was one of the pioneers of NFTs, right? Because they sold skins and people would buy skins yep. and like. That's buying a non-fungible token. And NFTs are big. They're gonna and be that's, you know, that's part of the tech yeah. thing. But I want to hear your thoughts on, on, on pretty much this new wave. Like, in other words, what are those Twitter, Facebooks that you would invest in if, if somebody went back and told you, yo, <laughs> like go all in on that versus now? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So... I, I mean, yeah, gaming has, has grown a lot, of course, and it's like a big thing now. Like, a good example is, I think, so FTX, um, it's a big uh, crypto exchange. They just sponsored um, America, or what used to be American Airlines Arena, like mm-hmm. where the Miami Heat play. I think they paid something around 110, 110 million or something, or maybe 120 million, something in that ballpark for like, I don't know, like 10 or 20 year naming rights to the arena. But they paid like, I think they paid like 210. You know, my figures could be a little off, but. They paid a lot. They paid, <laughs> yeah. they paid more to sponsor, uh, you know, an esports team called TSM. I started gaming a lot more like after, you know, COVID started just because, like, you know, you couldn't leave your house and then, you know, this way you just put on your headset and you're just like. Yeah hanging out with your friends but like in a game yeah so yeah i you know i think that will continue to i, I think that's like one of the things that will will hold and, and continue like one of the big changes like pre-post covid um would you consider that the metaverse um they call it yeah i don't know metaverse is also like one of those terms that's thrown around <laughs> those catchy terms mm-hmm. yeah 
buzzwords. Yeah, they're like exactly buzzwords, exciting terms that I think it'd be cool if we dedicate a whole episode to on just terms. <laughs> no, if that's a whole, we're gonna have to have a whole transcription just to have the the definitions. For sure. But I think you know, to your point, there's so much, right? And I think that this is why this podcast is so vital. And I know some of the information is like this is a lot, and how do I process it? But if we don't know the game. Then how are we gonna? How are we going to be in it? How are we going to exist in the system? How are we gonna? And I think it's so important to know the game. And I think so. When you came to me with this idea, I was like, "This is perfect. This is exactly what we need." Because there's areas that obviously we didn't even know existed that we can explore. And you know, I'm really looking forward to you know some more of our podcasts where we can really now. I feel like we need to have a podcast on gaming, but that's a whole other situation. <laughs> but you know, so you know, being able to take a look at you know, all of these different pieces that are going to make us knowledgeable, that can help us align ourselves with where do I fit in, mm -hmm. in this fourth industrial revolution? Where, where can I grow and be ready for those booms? And understanding you don't have to, I think the, the promise, we think we have to be in everything and we don't. We have to find, and I really like what you said, that you were, it was kind of already within the wheelhouse of what we had, you had going on. And the reality is technology is in everything. Yeah. Right. So it's finding what element of technology already kind of lives in my wheelhouse. What what kind of technology already, you know, I didn't go off off the grid and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to start building robots. Like I didn't start there. I said I had a background in conflict. I understood that the way people interact now is through technology. So what does conflict look like in technology spaces or how can technology be used to help de-escalate or, or navigate conflict? Right at the interpersonal to, you know, from the micro to the macro level. And so, you know, urban development, this is what your background is. And you didn't start, you know, you didn't join me in to build robots. You yeah. said, like, how does technology fit here? And I think it's crucial to say, here's the skill sets that I already know. Or here's the areas that I'm already passionate about. How, what elements of technology live within that area? Or, you know, definitely if you have the time and, and the desire and the passion to put in the time and work to figure out that space. But again, it's understanding what's out there and navigating it. Agreed. And just to clarify, the reason that I brought up, you know, the generational differences wasn't in any way. No, no he's starting problems um, with me. Exactly. He's starting problems with me. It was in me. no way to, to create a problem. Oh, no, I, was, I, 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 but listen, <laughs> what I'm saying is it's a good thing. It's a value that you bring. The experience that I'm that, old is a value that I bring. To it is. And I'm going to actually touch on that. It's, <laughs> seriously, experience versus um, you know, innovation, I think is a huge thing when it comes to skin in the game, right? There's yeah. people who have been, they have a lot of skin in the game, but yeah. they they have the old skin, right? They've been doing it the wrong, the, not the wrong way, but what led us to it. Yeah. So it's like, how do we balance, yeah, having this experience, understanding, hey, okay, this is the next revolution. Mm -hmm. This is that next thing. But how do we maintain that innovative side to it? How do we make sure that we look at the past and see, okay, maybe we don't want to do it this way because this is what happened. But how do we do things differently? What, what new things could arise out of it? But I think you said something that's mm -hmm. really powerful. And it's one thing that I also have conversations with organizations, right? Because a lot of times we think we come up with this genius idea and like, oh, let's implement it. And we don't think of the negative impacts it has on everything. So I think to your point, it's understanding the trends of the past, understanding how that existed, why it responded the way it did, why were those rules, laws, procedures, ordinance put in place? And mm -hmm. I can't just pluck it out, break it, and remove it. 
I've got to understand why it exists there, what's the purpose there, and then innovate it to a place forward. How do I make this better here? How do I evolve it from this place to this place? So it's not about demolishing exactly. what's existed. It's about doing it better. <laughs> doing it better, right? And it, but that's each evolution, each iteration, we should get better. Like we no longer, and I'm going to speak for myself, I no longer go to the river to wash my clothes against rocks, right? We have we have washers and dryers that do that now, right? So I could easily say, well, this is just fine with me, right? But the reality is exactly, and not not go to right? the next level. And so, and taking a look at what that next level is. But I think in my universe, right, it's not just about getting to the next level. It's making sure we do it in a way that it can connect with people and communities to make sure that we leave, we try not to leave people behind in the process. Oh, agreed, 100%. To pretty much wrap this up, I want to say I appreciate the perspectives that you guys bring. I think this is, uh, you know, gets me excited. This is very interesting for the next episodes that we're going to have. These conversations being shared with you guys are going to be awesome, and I hope you guys join the conversation. And kind of like a final thought, I think this is going to be amazing for, for us, right? And for everybody, this tech revolution, right? For, for the city, I think overall it's a great thing. You know, I'd say it is pretty exciting times. A lot of a lot of change, a lot being developed at the moment. You know, and people who have built kind of the underlying layers and infrastructure. You know, for example, like the guy who invented Ethereum, Vitalik, when he invented Ethereum, you know, we can kind of tell that he it wasn't like what we have today was not exactly part of his vision. He had like some sort of primitive like notions of like what is defined now, but it's not something he imagined. But like he built this network and like people were able to build on top of it. And there was like just like a lot of human capital, a lot of developers like building things on, on various chains at the moment. And a lot of them are primitives that will serve as building blocks for, for new projects um, to be built. So I would definitely keep an eye out. And my favorite kind of blockchain ecosystem at the moment is is Solana. Um, I think that you know it's something that everyone should kind of pay attention to and, and, and watch um, because it's still early. Like experienced Solana devs have been doing it for like maybe a f- six months or something like oh, that. Oh wow! So you know everything's brand new and you know they recently just finished. They just wrapped up a hackathon. Like there were like five hundred something submissions. Wow! And you know a, a lot of these projects are gonna you know become something important. Yeah, like this, these networks only have value if like one, a lot of people, there, there are a lot of users and also like there are good projects and apps that, you know, provide some sort of utility on it. And awesome. that's happening like, you know, right now, so. Definitely, so more use cases on the way. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I'm absolutely excited. I feel like, you know, these conversations are so crucial and important um, for definitely creating those inclusive spaces uh, within the tech field, especially here, right, in Miami, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, you know, and so, I mean, you could either tune in, right, at State of Miami or at the Humble Hustle Happy Hour, and I think that that, you know, from Rogue B and all of our, our fun over there, um, and I just think that it's neat that this podcast can live now in multiple yeah. places, because... You better share it too, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> multiple places, because that way it's impacting, you know, there, there's a whole community that kind of definitely needs this. 100%. Guys, this is a brand new beginning and I hope you guys are with us for the ride. 
Thank you so much for listening and for watching. And we'll catch you on the next episode.